Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. Tyrese Maxey. You want to go first for uh, for New Balance's own Tyrese Maxey? Yeah. Congratulations to him once again for securing the bag. By the <laughs> way, I have to make sure I say that. Um, yeah. I gave good. him a B. I, I think he was probably at an A level to start the season because he was doing just everything they needed him to do. He's awesome shooting, giving them some juice and transition, look good playing off of Harden. And he has not looked like that guy recently. And he deserves the grace period because of the injury and all that. But the shooting has not been good, which is a really important thing. He has had the burst, but seeing Melton in that starting lineup and seeing them succeed with, you know, more of a complimentary guy in the backcourt that he's like the little things type guy next to Harden. It makes you wonder whether the best version of this team features Tyrese as much as it does, or even has Tyrese on it, depending on if you wanted to move him. Like you do start to think more and more about those questions. I know we've discussed uh, potential trades with Tyrese yeah, uh, in the past. So I think he deserves some time to, you know, settle in. But that question just nags at me, like whether him and Harden in the playoffs is a combination that works because there are going to be teams that just absolutely hunt those two on defense that makes it impossible to keep them on the floor at the same time. Like uh, a better version of the problem they had in Ben's rookie year where it was JJ and Manu Ginobili or not Ginobili, uh, Marco (laughs) Bellinelli. Where I don't know why I the Spurs had this Alamo Dome game yesterday, so he's oh, yeah. in my brain, I guess. Bellinelli and Reddick were just like absolute food for the Celtics in that series. And Maxi and Harden are both better than those guys in terms of all that they bring to the table. Yeah. But I wonder if you run into the same problem as they did in that series, where one of them is just like a revolving door on defense, and there's only so much that Joel can do to clean it up on the back end so some of my concerns are more future focused but also he's in that b range because of you know how good melton has been and the questions that you know stem from Mm -hmm. that so i feel like i'm probably being a little harsh with this grade and i do think a lot of maxi's problems that i have with him or like giving him this grade is because of the team around him i think if he was on okc for example he would be a much different player, at least further along. Sometimes I watch him on the Sixers and it feels like he's caught between two places where he's not getting anything run for him like he is, uh, like Harden and Embiid are. But also they're not a great running team because everyone on the team is slow besides him. So I don't think he gets to feature the best part of his game. He is a really good shooter. So having him just stand is not the end of the world because he has been a good shooter. You're right, since he returned, it's not been great. And he's dealing with a foot injury, but I gave him a B a B minus because to me, I was hoping to see him take a step forward this year. And he kind of just looks like the same guy, but I think part of that is because of his role, but I was hoping he was going to look a little more like a player that would be the guy, a guy that could, you know, give you 28 point, not 28 points consistently, obviously, but a guy that you felt you could run the offense through a little bit more than they are. And I was thinking about this and debating this uh, with some of my friends. Do you think he's still worth a max contract? 
it's an interesting question. I personally probably do not want to give him that level of contract just because small guards, the the barrier or the, the hurdle you have to clear there on offense is so high. Like right. you have to essentially be Dame Lillard to be a, a max level guy at that size and be that bad defensively or be as much of a potential target defensively. And I don't think he's going to get there mm-hmm. because I, I like the one concern I have with him on offense is that when you see him in those units where he's like the guy, there are a lot of times where he just like can't get by people. And it's not mm-hmm. guys who are like great defenders either. There's not a ton in terms of like real ball handling craft where, you know, he's crossing guys over and it's a lot of speed and like, that's great. And if you can use that to your advantage, that's awesome. But like, you're not always going to be able to beat everybody with speed. And there are going to be times where you're just going a hundred miles an hour and you fling a, a layup off the backboard that caroms the other way. You're running into the stands off the miss and they have a four on five going the yeah. other way. So I do have some concerns on the offensive end too. Now, if he shoots as well as he did uh, end of last year, started this year, that's all moot. Like, because if you can drag people out, it doesn't matter if you really have any other moves, but I do think about that a lot because the numbers with him as like the lead guy are not very good. And we're starting to get to the point where that should change, right? Like that happening in his first couple of years, who cares? He's deep enough in his career at this point. He should be able to, if he's the offensive player, we think he is, he should be able to anchor these units. And I do think there have been some encouraging moments lately. There was a, a game recently where I thought he had an awesome, you know, solo ball handling stint, but you know, by and large, they still, it's like he has to be next to somebody like Harden who's doing a lot of the heavy lifting as a playmaker and a table setter to get him where he needs to go. So my, my thing with the max maxi maxi max contract is I do think on one hand, the way the league is set up, you almost just have to give it to him because he's your only good young asset. He's your only really good young player with upside where you could look and say, okay, this can be a guy that could be a great player for us in five years. I don't think you can say that for Harden or or Joel at this point. So on one hand, it's a simple discussion. You give him the max contract. On the other hand, I don't think he right right now is not a player that is worth $36 million a year or whatever that max would be. Um, He just doesn't give you enough. I, I think he's a role player at this point. Now, again, it could be because of the situation, right? I mean, you talked about the the ball handling and all that. He doesn't get a ton of opportunity to do that because Harden's here, and then he was also playing with Ben. So I don't think he's been given a chance to develop. But the issue is Harden is probably back next year. Joel is definitely back next year, barring him demanding his way out. So at what point does Maxi become worth that money? And I just don't know if he is. People love to rip Tobias for his contract. It could kind of be a similar thing where you're giving Maxi all this money and he's basically just an elite six man slash really good runs the floor guy for you. So I think it's, it's an, it's an interesting discussion for them. I think they'll probably just end up doing it, but I would be lying if I said that part of me would be a little interested in trading him just so you don't have to give him that deal and flip him into, you know, somebody it's tough now because he only makes like $3 million, but the end of the day, I'm just a little more hesitant. I also wonder if everyone's so sure Maxi is worth a max deal, why isn't uh, DeAnthony Melton? 
DeAnthony Melton does a lot of the same things Maxi does. He's bigger, or at least he, he you know, yeah, I think he's a bigger presence on the court. He's just as good of a shooter. I know Maxi has a higher ceiling, but I don't get how we can say Maxi, you got to give him the max deal. But with Melton, you know, you definitely wouldn't. Yeah. Well, I think Melton's going to get a lot of money on his next deal. He's not going to be on uh, $8 million a year, would be my right. prediction there. Uh, with Tyrese, I, we mostly agree. Like, I, I just don't, I think he's going to get the max because that's just like what happens with good players yeah, coming off rookie deals. But, and we're going to see this too with, uh, with Jalen Hurts when he signs a new deal. Like, it, it's always easy to love somebody as a fan or even like a, a quote unquote objective media member when they play well on a cheap deal. The moment you put pen to paper on a massive contract, the expectations change. And like, yeah. whether that's fair or not, they're going to be also like you have team building concerns or like roster restrictions based on that contract. Like Tyrese Maxey, if he signs a max extension, now he gets into that Tobias territory of like, if you're not producing, people are going to be pissed and saying, how could they use that money otherwise? Like Jalen Hurts, once he signs his deal, and I'm sure he's going to get a ton of money whenever he signs his deal because mm -hmm. he's been awesome. If he doesn't consistently meet that level that people expect, they're going to be coming with torches and pitchforks. Like that's just how it works. Like guys, guys on rookie deals get a lot of leeway and they're always the most beloved players because expectations are lower. And if they fail or if they're bad, it's not a team crippling thing. If you fail on a bigger deal, that's a team crippling mistake that the team made. And now, obviously, it's a lot of that, and if not all of it, it's just the team giving the guy too much money. Like, it's not the player's yeah. fault for saying, I want as much money as I can get. But we're going to find out how much people really love Tyrese next year or next couple years when right. he's on one of those type of deals. Yeah, and uh, the last thing I'll say, the difference, though, for me, and I, you would probably agree with this, but the difference between Tyrese and Jalen is – Jalen has been arguably the MVP of the NFL. Oh, right. I'm not yeah, saying they're yeah, at the yeah. same level. Right. I'm just Tyrese, saying it's right. once you have a, you set a certain bar as Jalen has this year and Tyrese has set a different bar, but has set his bar. If you are falling under that and you're also making a lot more money and that's having, you know, impl that has implications for how the team is constructed. Like the Eagles are going to have to make tough decisions. Yeah. Who they keep, who they sign, et cetera, because of that then that's a lot more pressure uh, on the quarterback. It's going to be a lot more pressure on Tyrese, even if it's a different sort of pressure. Right. No, I 100% no, agree with you. And the maxi contract thing, uh, it's going to be interesting, especially this offseason.
All right. Um, we can probably start to fly through these a, a little bit. Tobias, for me, uh, I'll, I'll go first on this one. I gave him an A. I know he he had that really great stretch, and he's probably cooled off a little bit since then. But I think if we wanted if we want to take away effort points from Joel and Harden, I think Tobias makes up for whatever cold stretch he went through by earning effort points because he has clearly worked to change his game. He's been everything that the Sixers could have hoped. Thirty eight percent for thirty eight percent from three on over five attempts. Um, yeah, I I just think he's been an A player for them, and he's even gotten to the point where. Look, I'd still trade him for for Zach Levine, but I'm definitely not just giving Tobias away. I think yeah. he fits kind of perfectly for the role, and you've made this point. He fits perfectly for what they need in a way from the number three slash four guy. He just, to get back to the maxi thing, he just makes a ton of money. So he's obviously going to be in the trade discussions, but I definitely think he gets an A so far. Yeah, well, so I actually gave him a B, but it was mm -hmm. mostly because... I think the shooting has tailed off enough that it's like, all right, if that's his one thing that he does, even if we're excited about the idea that like, all right, he finally embraced this role, then he does need to be really good at it. Like the difference between him being a 41, 42% shooter and like a 37, 38% shooter is pretty big. If that's like all he's doing for long stretches of games, then he needs to be at a really high level. Like it's not okay. that he's been bad recently, but he's that has tailed off and that has a big impact on his grade. I do think that he has not helped with the rebounding problems, which I, I think, you know, a guy his size and you know relative level of athleticism, he should be a better rebounder than he is. Like he has fine raw numbers there, but I, I the eye test suggests that like he's getting beat over the top or with speed and things like mm -hmm. that. Like I think that's a problem. Um, I do think like if we're just saying on vibes, I think he kind of gets an A. Like I, I do think that he's been the pulse of the team in a lot of ways where, you know, he's able to pull them through these games where they're undermanned or something like that. And, you know, they're he deserves credit for that, for being able to toggle between the two different versions. But overall, I think a B, maybe a B plus is fair. If you want to give him an A because we're giving him the uh, – the overachiever points or the, yeah. uh, the good Effort role player points. points. That's fine. Um, not going to argue about it, but I gave him mm -hmm. a B. Um, speaking of rebounding really quick, I think sometimes, at least for me, as someone that's not a trained NBA expert uh, in watching like rebounding, it can be tough to tell who's a good rebounder, who's not. I think I've discovered the best way to, to do that, though. If you bet on a player to rebound, there is, whether over or under, there is nothing like watching a game when your eyes are sealed on that player being like, go get that rebound. <laughs> and you can find out how much they really want to rebound. Like De Deontay Murray, watch him for a night. I know he does rebound. The night I watch him, like that dude doesn't want to rebound. So the next time I need to figure out if a sixer needs good rebounding, I won't bet on them. Not ethical, obviously. But it's a good way to do it if you're a Sixers fan and you want to figure out who's a good rebounder and who's not. Um, DeAnthony Melton, what would be your grade for him? So I think in the column, I gave him a B plus. And the more I thought about it, I think he's got to be at least an A minus or yeah, an A because I, I think agree. he's exceeded all expectations. He's like by far their best offseason acquisition. And the fact that we are, are able to have the discussion about uh, – potentially bumping him into the starting lineup and saying things like he has to play in crunch time and in big playoff moments, whatever that suggests that he's probably an A player for this year. Cause I think he's been way better than even I would have expected. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, again, when I talked about why Harden's a reason to believe going into the playoffs, I really think the larger reason is the guards have been way better. For as all the criticism we have of Maxi when we discussed him, uh, DeAnthony has been that difference from being, okay, they have two good guards that both have their flaws, to being like, wow, they have three that they can really count on. I mean, we talked about three-guard lineups. So I think he deserves uh, an A, a pretty solid A, um, for sure. Now, when he if he does go in the starting lineup and he's playing big minutes, then the expectations change, and we'll see if he can step up to that. But based off of what they thought they'd get from him going into the year to what they have gotten, I think he's definitely uh, an A. All right, Matisse Thibel. In my heart, I wanted to give him an F. But the fans are always pointing to his on-off numbers. And, yes. oh, my God, he's, like, one of the best players on the team. So as a compromise, since they want to give him an A, I gave him a, a C. Just a first right. C. So I gave him a C plus, And this is probably completely unfair. But I just do feel like he's been better this year. I have no way to point to it. I have nothing to statistically. I just feel like he's not been the, a complete disaster. And maybe – it's maybe he should be more like a C minus D plus type of guy, but I think he's probably been more of a pleasant surprise than a disappointment just this year. Oh, um, I a hundred percent disagree with that. I think he has sucked. I think this okay. has been, Fair enough. this has been his worst offensive season when you consider that he's this far in, like he has regressed to, I think two seasons ago is probably his worst offensive season. And I think he's been, ago, wasn't he? No, this is his fourth year. So oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. You're right. He was here for the Brett Brown era, too. That's right. The, uh, yeah. The, the the COVID season or the interrupted by COVID season, yeah. I should say. Um, I think he's been bad enough on offense after. And it, I think it the thing that really just grinds my gears a lot is that it was like all off season. It was like Matisse has been in the gym. He's been a maniac. <laughs> he's been one of our hardest workers. And it's like. This guy doesn't look any different than yeah. he did last year. And so that that's a thing that I probably shouldn't hold as much against him. But like the um do you know what his plus minus was? And we don't have to do plus minus stuff because it's always like a stupid stat. You know mm -hmm. what his plus minus was in that Thunder game in like 10 minutes? I'm gonna guess really bad based off the fact that you sound like you hate him, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Negative twenty seven. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. In like in like ten minutes. Yeah. It's and impressive. I I believe somebody that one of my Twitter followers posted a thing or like tweeted at me said that was the single worst plus minus of anybody who only played ten minutes of anybody in the league this year. You would think so. it would have to be, if not league history. I mean, yeah. 20, minus twenty seven in ten minutes. That's pretty hard. All right, you've talked me down. I'm at a. I'm at a, uh, a D plus. I would say. Uh, so I, I'll say this. I am skewed on him because I just don't believe in him as a playoff guy, period. Mm -hmm. Like I'm at the point with I him. I, he's like the role player Ben for me where I don't, the shit he does well, I don't think matters that much. And the things he does not do well, I think are really important in a playoff series. And so I'm like, I admit to my, if you want to call them biases there, I admit to those. I just, I don't believe in him. And like, he has had some good games. He had some good stretches, but ultimately I think teams don't guard him when it matters. And that's, that's the yeah. most important thing. 
he also commits a ton of dumb fouls, which if you're thinking, oh, think. those drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah. I love that Doc brings him in on a lot of like end of first quarter, end of third quarter subs for defense. So dumb. and on press row, we're always like, it's like 50 50. He's going to foul this guy. Yeah. Here. And on threes too. Like it's, yeah. it's insane. Um, all right. So Shake Milton, I give him an A. I just think he's he's been good this year. He looks more legit to me than he than he does this year. Frankly, maybe it's just I had low expectations, but I'm kind of in on Shake. I think he's uh, I think he's been good. I gave him a B, but I, I you could probably talk me into a B plus A minus. I think it's been a a great bounce back year for him, and a little bit underrated that he helped pull them through that stretch where yeah you know, the backcourt injuries like Melton got a lot of the shine, um, but. I, I think good. Shake deserves a lot of credit. And he looks contract like year Shake, baby. He's fighting yeah, for that next deal. Exactly. I think he looks like a guy that could give you like, you know, eight, nine minutes in a playoff game. Like I think, you know, he could, you know, score a little bit for you. Um, all right. House Jr., the second F for me of everybody here. I mean, the dude basically doesn't exist. Like I, I just I, you know, <laughs> like I I forgot he was on the team for a bit of a stretch. He went he went in a few nights ago and for a brief second, I was like, who's this guy? Um, so I gave him an F. I mean, I don't, I don't know what positive he's done this year and he didn't get a ton of money. So it's not like he got the three years 30, like, like PJ did, but he was signed also under that kind of going to bring that dog type of thing. And he's just on the bench all the time. So I, I gave him an F. I gave him a D. I definitely could have been convinced to give him an F, but I, and I didn't say this in the article. I wanted to give him a D for dummy because he's just mm. done a ton of stupid shit. Like a lot of the same problems as Matisse without offering the same upside defensively where you right. know, he's causing lots of turnovers, whatever. I do think there's still an outside chance that he is like a guy they need to rely on in the playoffs because well, they better I think not. he, well, I think he's a big enough athletic enough guy that he is a switchable defender and you throw in there and you can play like a just switch everything type lineup and that helps and he'll make enough threes to make teams pay he is the weirdest shooter of all time like shoots on the way down which is what you're taught not to do the first time you play basketball and he takes corner step back threes which should be like borderline impossible <laughs> I've seen you getting the footwork that. down for that he yeah. shoots like it feels like 90 percent on those and zero percent on like basic catch and shoot jumpers True. and i just cannot figure him out but yeah, has been bad, is out of the rotation right now, rightfully so. Um, could could get a failing grade at the end of the year. I'm putting him at a D for now as like a, you're on notice, buddy. Like, get your act together. Yeah, well, I gave him an F, so he's on notice for he has to improve to, to pass the ESP course here. Um, Absolutely. Right. Wait, actually, we're, real quick tangent. Hilarious locker room guy, which is why I think I probably give him uh, I a could little see bit that. more grace. I could see that. I mean, it seemed like he certainly, you know, he was the bubble guy, right? Wasn't he the guy that, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, he got himself he's like off the court. Yeah, off the court, he's, uh, he's a little more interesting than on the court. Um, yeah. All right, the last kind of interesting one, we'll do it maybe as a duo, Paul Reed and uh, Montrez Harrell. I, I have a, a take that I'm probably going to regret, but, dude, Paul Reed is overrated. I'm so sick of the, like, play Paul Reed, play Paul Reed. He's a fine player. I don't think he's that much better, if even better than Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell is playing at a point where he'll score like 18 points or 17 or whatever, and people still don't give him credit. Paul Reed- Because he's giving back 25 points at the other end. Whatever. Paul Reed scores like four (laughs) points, and you would think it's like, oh, why isn't this guy playing 30 minutes a game? 
that Paul Reed is a fine player, you know, again, fine player, but I, I like Montrezl Harrell. I, I think from what I've watched, I get he's bad on defense. And again, this is maybe my defense doesn't matter bias showing in, but I don't know. I think on, on offense, especially Harden when he's on with Harden, I think Harden's made him look like a, like a decent backup center. He's weirdly sized. Like he's kind of undersized for that role, but I gave them both a B. I'm not going to sit here and give Montrez an F just because people want Paul Reed to play. I gave them both a B. I gave them both C's. And I, like, so I think there's a middle ground between what you said and like the fans who are like dying to have Paul Reed play, you know, 15 minutes a night right. every night. Like, I, I do think people probably take some little things that Trez does on offense for granted. Like, he just knows how to play yeah. within pick and rolls with Harden, where He's a pretty good short roll passer. Like he'll hit the open guy in the corner if the defense collapses on the middle of the floor. He's got really great hands. Like he plucks down balls that are like at his knees that like no guy should be able to get those. Like somebody throws some of the passes he gets to you in a pickup game. You're like chewing the guy out. Like what the hell are you doing to me? Like why are you expecting me to catch that pass? He catches those passes reliably. And turns those into easy dunks and layups. Like those are things that you shouldn't take for granted. And I do think Paul has improved on offense where I think his craft as a finisher has been better this year. You've seen him sort of figure out the nuances of playing and pick and roll. But like you watch some possessions and James is telling him like, do this, like trying to tell him to go somewhere. And Paul's just like deer in the headlights. (laughs) Like, what are you asking me to do? There's a play in the Thunder game actually where James like chewed him out in the middle of the game because he was pissed that now James also had a horrible turnover because of this, like threw it off somebody's leg. So that was part of it. But I there is a, a level of inexperience with Paul that you can see shine through. But that also is why you need to play him more like he does need to get reps or he's never you're never going to be able to leverage. He is a way better defender is like longer and more athletic than Trez is. And I think the best version of this team has the best version of Reed versus Harold. Like Trez is not going to change who he is at this point, right? Like right. defensively in the playoffs, he is going to be a liability always has been. And he's not as good of an offensive player as he once was. So like, to me, you should be spending this time trying to get Paul to where he needs to go. Cause like worst case scenario is you play Paul second half of the year he doesn't get where you need him to go. And you say to Trez, like, we just need you to be the guy you've been your entire career. Like his, his arc doesn't change. Like you don't need him to do or learn anything more. It's be the same guy you've always been. So I think they need to use these minutes for development of Paul, because I agree. He's not that good right now. <laughs> yeah. they, have, they have gotten destroyed in his minutes. Like if you were to look at all the on off stuff, mm-hmm. they don't win the minutes he's in. And not only do they not win them, they often get their asses kicked. Now we could parse through who he's playing with and when and against who and all that. But like the fact of the matter is there has not been evidence to suggest like they got to have this guy on the floor like that, that I a hundred percent agree with and it is on him and it's on the lineups with him to prove that he needs to get those minutes. So right now I think they're both C players. They both have their strengths and weaknesses and, I think Doc, and this is, we'll get to Doc in a second, I guess. I think Doc has handled that situation perfectly fine this year. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I'll say on those two is one, and maybe I view this from a football kind of rep point where like Paul Reed 
I agree. He's a better defensive player than Harrell. He has a better defensive body, all those things. Paul Reed has not earned the right to any minutes. Like he, he is not like a first round pick. He's not making $10 million a year. Paul Reed is getting minutes because of the roster's issues. And so you develop him for that, but it's not like they have some organizational commitment to developing Paul Reed, I guess is how I feel about it. But then with uh, Harrell, you know, as much as I hate the whole, you know, dog, whatever, blah, at least I will say he feels like he's committed when he's out there, he tries hard. He shows effort. Um, you know, I thought the latter thing was dumb that he did with Giannis, but whatever. I mean, he's been more of that guy <laughs> than, than Tucker and, and house has been. So I don't know. I'm not as down on Harrell as other people. And I'm sure I'll, you know, look dumb where in the playoffs he he gets absolutely torched. He's gonna suck like he always does. Yeah, and just exactly. get torched by good teams. But like yeah. he's a backup center. That's why he's a backup center. All right, Doc Rivers to continue, I guess, the trajectory of Sixers fans being mad at me. I gave him an A minus. I mean, I don't know. They're they're right there with the one seed. I know they're not, they're the fifth seed, but they're right there. It's certainly within within uh grasp. Um, Embiid's missed time, Harden's missed time, Maxi's missed time. I think that overall, yeah, you can nitpick certain things, um, you know, taking him beat out with the fouls, whatever. I, I think he's been mostly a good coach. So I gave him a B. I probably lean more toward B plus on further reflection. Like I think most of most, if not all, their problems are not a product of him, right? Like, mm-hmm. and if you look at the things that are like active decisions that he makes. I think he's handled a lot of the roster battles well, right? Like this has not been a situation where he just plays quote unquote, his guys through bad minutes or like tough stretches. Like Matisse Thibel has a bad game. He's only playing 10 minutes and doc is pulling him. PJ Tucker is struggling. He doesn't play crunch time. And we see three guard lineups. We've seen doc do more of that experimentation where they're playing three guard lineups. They play small ball to start a game when, you know, Joel is not playing. They use small ball and they end up losing the game to Milwaukee second game of the year. But small ball in the fourth quarter gets them back into that game with James leading the way. He has navigated this season about uh, not as well as you possibly could, but has done well in a lot of ways. Like the underman lineups, they've done well when they've been missing one or perhaps multiple stars at a time. The Reed Montrez thing that we just talked about, like, I don't think he's mishandled that. I think he gave Paul like a real chance to be the guy. He was in the lineup for, you know, a few weeks where he was the the primary backup center. Yeah. And they got killed during those minutes. Like, I mean, right. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, Doc, just keep playing him no matter what happens with these bench guys. Like, that's just not how it works. Right, because so he's I not think... a first-round pick. He's not making a ton of money. They don't – yes, yes, sorry. He's just – like, a, your backup center is not someone – like, a developmental backup center is not someone you build the entire team identity around, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't just keep saying, well, we think he might be something someday, so we're willing to just punt these minutes for, like, three months to get Paul Reed more playing time. Like, that's just not a thing. Especially when everyone they can afford fired. to do. Especially when everyone wants you fired for what it's worth. But you even know? still, like, yeah. they're fighting for playoff positioning. Yeah, the East I agree. is really tough this year. And where they finish in the standings is going to have a huge impact on whether they can get out of the second round. Like, they could end up, if they're in fifth right now, I think they end up higher than that. If you end up in a 4-5 matchup with Cleveland, who's got Donovan Mitchell playing awesome this yeah, year. Yeah, it'd be tough. They have a tough front line. Like, I think Joel will handle them. But, like... Darius Garland too. Like that's a really good team that you'd have to play round one, let alone 
Then you're playing Boston on the road in round two, potentially. Like that's that's bad. Like yeah, comparing really that to like getting to like two and you play, I don't know. I'd have to look at the same, but you probably end up playing like Atlanta, who's been mostly trash for this mm-hmm. year, or a team like that. Like that's a real difference maker. And then you play, maybe you play Brooklyn or but Brooklyn wouldn't be great because they've looked better once KD got his shit together. They're also a fake but, team, though. So, but you could also play at home. So, like these games matter. You can't just throw games away for developmental purposes. So, I think Doc has done a mostly good job. I know people don't want to hear that, and that's not what the perception is. But like, I am more understanding of the frustration with him than people would think. Like, I get the playoff failures that he's had. Like, I'm under no illusion. You play the Miami Heat in round one, that he's a better coach than Spolstra. And I mm-hmm. think that's a matchup that they would have to fear, even with Miami struggling for most of this year. But for what he's had to do up to this point, Doc has done a perfectly fine job. I think it's a B, B plus type job. Yeah. And look, Spolstra is a good head coach. I will say, if I'm not mistaken, he's only ever won a title when he had LeBron for what it's worth. Right. So, I mean, again, Doc, now Doc had KG and Ray Allen and all those people. But yeah, so I agree with you on Doc. Um, and I think at the midway point, the team has been mostly a success, you know, despite the the struggles and the injuries and stuff. I think if if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, they're right around where they should be, considering Harden's been been better than thought and Bede's been mostly healthy, missed some time, but I think they deserve credit for that. So all right, yeah. anything else? Uh anything else? Well, we had two here? more guys, but we'll just grade them real quick. Uh Niang and Cork Maz. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot Niang. So I gave Niang an A. He does what he does. He's shooting better than last year, basically. Um, and then Cork, uh, who who's the other one we missed? Ferk, you said Cork Maz. I said yeah, I C minus for him. I gave Ferk an F. He's a complete like he's a, <laughs> he's a complete non-factor. He's been here for how many years? He barely plays. He demanded a trade. I mean, they re-signed him for what is what they get. He makes like five million bucks, if I'm not mistaken, or something like Listen, that. Listen, that contract might come in handy. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, look, his best asset at this point isn't even the trade value because he barely plays. So I, I gave him an F in the Ang and A. All right. I gave Niang a B because he's basically comes down to his shooting. His shooting's been good more often than not, but when it's not, he is like, you might as well just send him to the locker room. Yeah. He's, he's not giving you anything. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, All right. Well, this was fun. It also took longer than I expected. I think too. that's the longest but, pod we've done. So I, I was going to say, yeah. Like, I have more to say, but I almost like we should wrap it up and save this uh, uh for the next pod. But, all right. So, the Sixers play West Coast next week, which means a lot of late nights. Good for you, because it sounds like you're a night owl. Bad for me, because I like to be in bed by... 10 10 30 at the, at the oh at man the yeah, yeah i can't even imagine going to bed that early oh it's the best put on seinfeld fall asleep that's just the the perfect night for elliot um but so they play tonight saturday night um i think they play, play tomorrow night too okay so maybe lake, uh, lake show tomorrow night might be a monday pod i think i was gonna say it sounds like a monday pod is brewing um that's not, all right so we will be back and we can just call it now i can do monday morning oh no yeah i can do monday morning So we'll try to be back on Monday morning, if not Tuesday, but probably Monday morning. Um, All right. No more final thoughts, I would guess. Anything else you got before we wrap this bad boy up? No, we got to let producer James go. I know. You you can see in his eyes he's ready to uh, to, to, to bounce. Um, All right. So this has been the Clap Your Hands pod. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time.